welcome to this episode of Better Off Red. My name is Pip Adam and um, this is episode 106 of Better Off Red. Thank you very much for listening, always appreciate it. Um, this um, episode is the second in our character season, so it slips in nicely to that year-long project that we're doing, well I'm doing, <laughs> I always act like there's more than me, it's just me sitting at home by myself with my dog, um, but yeah, um, this is something that I decided to do this year where we look at elements of craft and talk to um, different writers and artists and creators about um, how they, you know, different elements of craft kind of um, intersect with their own work or how they relate to what they do. So um, on this episode, I'm really excited. Um, I get to talk to one of my creative um, heroes, um, Tara Black. Um, Tara is an amazing, amazing um, artist, um, writer, uh, yeah, um, just does amazing work and uh, a really great part of the Wellington writing communities as well. So thank you Tara, you're awesome. So um, Tara will introduce herself um, when we start the podcast, um, but today Tara and I um, talk about Renee Magritte's The Treachery of Images. So Tara brought this along as a sort of beginning to this discussion about character and it, it's really great because we sort of do a lot of talking about image and word. Um, yeah, so it's it's very exciting. Um, there's information on um, the website, um, better-red.com, um, where you can get information about Tara's work and can um, there's a link there to see more of it, which is amazing. But um, Tara's book, This Is Not A Pipe, um, is available for, through Victoria University Press. So yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, I again get to say thank you to the wonderful Copyright Licensing New Zealand um, who have um, helped fund this um, year. And yeah, I'm very grateful to them. Thank you very much. And also just another thank you to the Institute of Modern Letters. Um, this episode was recorded again in the Writer-in-Residence room. Um, I've had an amazing year being the Writer-in-Residence there and I'm very grateful. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this podcast and yeah, thanks heaps for listening. Hi Tara, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Oh, it's so nice to have you here. Thanks heaps for coming. I'm really excited to be here. Like this is um this is like long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. I, I just yeah, I just can't wait to talk to you about everything. I'm just I've been stirring it over in my brain and it's been really good. But before I get ahead of myself, would you like to introduce yourself however you would like to do that? Kiara Koto, uh Tangatritiaho. For Tara Black, Tokuingwa. Yeah, I am a person of the treaty, so I, I'm born in New Zealand. Ancestors overseas, who cares about them? This <laughs> Aotearoa is my place. Awesome. Oh man, Kilda, it's so good to have you here. Um, now, you have chosen something very interesting for us to sort of use as a jumping off point today. And um, I feel like, yeah, why don't we start? Are you able to describe? what you have chosen for us to talk about. Okay, so I have chosen Renee Magritte's Treachery, The Treachery of Images, that's the title of it, and people may or may not be familiar with it, probably they'll be more familiar with it through memes. Mm. In any case, it's a painting, it's a painting of an old-timey like tobacco pipe, 
so not like a metal pipe or anything it's kind of brown and with like a black stem and so I suppose it's meant to be a wooden pipe it's quite boring it's like it's just this painting of a pipe on a, a blank background it's yellow creamy it depends on like it depends on what the re like what the reproduction looks like I'm sure that I've never seen the painting in person so it might actually be really beautiful in, in person but um like it's like it it's not it's not a like feast for your eyes or anything and underneath the pipe it says um actually it says in french and i am not going to attempt to say <laughs> the french like no it says this is not a pipe so um so basically it's one of those surrealist kind of challenges to um uh, to what art is right um so you you look at this painting and it says this is not a pipe but you're looking at a pipe and you're like well if it's not a pipe what is it <laughs> or at least that's i think the question you're meant to ask and you're like well it's a painting of a pipe um but in the representations we look at it in it's actually a photo of a painting of a pipe and actually, when I'm looking at it on my cell phone screen, it's a pix like a pixel, like ones and o's reproduction of a photo of a painting of a pipe. <laughs> so, like, it, like what kind of abyss you want to stare down to in terms terms of what representation is? Um, it, I, it circles around those kind of ideas. You can, I think, you can make it as bigger, big or small. It's either like a one-line joke haha or it can be like get, getting to the root of like should paintings be trying to represent real things like when we look at a tree what are we thinking about is like what is our idea of tree what is our idea of pipe I, I, I feel like a bit of a doofus because like I've I've only ever seen this sort of I'm pretty sure someone I know in my past has it on like a tea tray like it's like you know like it's reproduced on you know like objects um around the kitchen or something for some strange reason and I never realized quite how profound it was and like I definitely after you sent it I went on quite a few hour sort of mind fuck around exactly the stuff that you're saying like I was like what is it when and I started thinking there's this energy that kind of builds up between the words and the picture. Yeah. And I thought, man, this, it, you know, like, because when I read a graphic novel or a comic, I'm, I kind of feel like I'm ingesting it in one foul swoop, like each, you know, like I'm ingesting it words and picture. But suddenly I realized that, yeah, what you do is words and picture. Like what? What's what do you think is the relationship between words and picture and what you do? Huh. Well, it depends, I guess, on what the thing is. So sometimes, um, like with what we call comics or graphic works or sequential narrative, um, there is usually some sort of interplay between the words and the pictures. So the um, pictures ideally and the words could not stand alone and tell the whole story they're combining although there are great exceptions to that so if you look at Alison Bechtel's work um, it's very very literary very very wordy you could take the pictures out and actually get pretty much the same message but the pictures the, um, which are somewhat illustrative 
um, rather than like combining are adding tone if that makes mm, sense mm, mm. so they're at least doing that and they're probably doing more than that in a lot of places um so and sometimes comics can do a thing where what is being said is at odds with the either expression on somebody's face or the color or the mood and something and so you can have that juxtaposition of um of of art and pictures um in a way um sometimes the words are hand-drawn sometimes the words are now digitally put in Mm. sometimes Mm. now people draw on the computer and so sometimes the quality like i'm not i'm not meaning like quality isn't good or bad but like um the sort of reality of the text and the pictures are on slightly different levels and your brain can flatten them and as you say you're ideally experiencing them as one thing i hope i mean you can play with it in the sense that uh, if you don't put your panels in line, things can get a little out of whack and people can feel like, where does my eye go now? Um, what order do I read this in? Um, that is an excellent thing to do if you're playing with the form, but sometimes it can make it can alienate your readers and maybe throw them out of the experience um, so that they're not like absorbing it all in one go Hmm. um so so there are things that you can do yeah and do you I I was wondering like with the Magritte um because it's a it's sort of a there's a bit of that happening already like this you've blown my mind a little bit already we've been talking for five minutes you've already blown my mind um but (laughs) yes um dunk um um but this I never I, I never thought of this idea of the when I say quality as well I don't mean good or bad I mean sort of like the material quality of the text and the way the text looks on the page or the way people are drawn that if you think about the Magritte it's a long hand cursive underneath the painting of the pipe and they are in the pictures that I saw it's it's not like a perfect calligraphy is it no like, it it's isn't. a little bit off yeah yeah it like um, it has a quality for me because he, he, it looks like he's painted. Mm. He's painted it. He's not written it. Um, that like my when I was a small child, kind of text kind of had when you'd roll up the lines and you're I'm going to do the good title. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it doesn't quite look like text. It doesn't quite look like handwriting. Mm, mm, yeah, but it's painted to look sort of like handwriting it's yeah and again you know there's that odd thing of um you know like the the um it it looks like it's been done with a paintbrush rather than a pen and then there's that interesting thing where the words are painted and are the words an object of painting or are they you know is it sense that we're reading for oh my gosh you could just go on forever you could just go on forever um do you remember when you first saw the painting or a reproduction of it uh, so I would have first come across this in year 11 art. Mm-hmm. So we were doing, um, a guy called Matt Elwood was my teacher and he had this kind of unit. It was back in school C, so I was in very last years of school mm-hmm. C, um, where we did uh, a surrealist unit, which turns out to be quite a great 
like accessible thing for a year 11 student to do so you can you can be like oh what are the qualities what do what does surrealism do they play with space and they play with size and you know what you can do you can take a landscape and you can plonk a kettle and make it big and you will have done surrealism <laughs> um so super achievable uh I, I'm not saying that we're like we were surrealist masters, but we could, we could. Um, I'm pretty sure that um, someone could look at our paintings and see what we see what we were trying to do. So, Magritte came up in that, um, and then not that much later. Not that I did media studies in high school, but I had friends who did media studies. Um, a, a, I had friends who had a teacher, Terry Jones, who was obsessed with this image, um, uh, the treachery of images. I mean, it's called the treachery of images, like it's in the title. Like, <laughs> and, and so I had friends who were like, have you had this idea? So it's actually quite a media studies thing. Mm, it's yeah. a very, very media studies thing. Like, what is an image? What is representation? And that's that's... Um, that's that was one of the ways they took an entry into film mm, yeah oh my gosh yeah that explodes everything as well I I've got a question here which is kind of like can you talk a bit about how the image relates to your work but of course I'm slow and it occurs to me that your book is named after this um yeah after this images um subtext and I wonder um if you'd be willing to talk about how your book somehow got the title from or was it the other way around was there something yeah how, how do you come to have a book which is called this is not a pipe uh so um it wasn't originally called this is not a pipe mm -hmm. um but my book is about a woman who has a physical metal pole through her arm um, and it's like the, there's this kind of a wound thing going on and um, and it bleeds and she's in pain. Um, the, the, the story isn't entirely depressing, I promise you. Um, it does have some humour. But so I, 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 it was called something like The People Outside the Pole. That was my working title. Mm. Um, or the, uh, and because in the story I only ever call it a pole, but it looks like a pipe. It looks like a metal pipe. Um, and one day I just returned to the image and I was like, this is not a pipe, right? So um, there's all sorts of interplay with like, how real is the pipe? What does the pipe mean? Or the pole, which I never call a pipe. See, I'm getting myself in circles. <laughs> and I was like, that's the perfect name for this book. Um, it's not great search engine optimization, <laughs> um, if I'm honest, but it is the perfect name for mm. what is going on in this, uh, what it is going on in the graphic novel, which is again, like it's about like the pairing of images and text and um, Beth, the main character, is writing her own story. So it's, it's like a fictional autobiography. So again, like what words is she putting out there and what is the distance between what she is saying and what we are seeing mm. um, and what is actually happening and is the thing that she's writing the actual story or um, is a different story happening? And I know for me, there's that great, um, like, I mean, I think everybody reads a book differently and, you know, like what I bring, you know, is not necessarily what you wrote, but like one of the real enjoyments of that book and one of the things that really, um, like really speaks to me is that idea of kind of people 
Well, there's a sense that people are not fully understanding the extent of the pipe or the pole in her life, you know, and there's something of a almost gaslighting kind of with that title, you know, it's kind of like, you know, there, there's a sense that, um, yeah, that, that it isn't a pole and she just, I don't know, like I, I kind of get the sense that it's that thing where people might say, if you just tried harder, the pole would disappear or something like that, but yeah. Yeah, and there's definitely, like, there are moments in the book where you see people whispering around her and, and thing that I mean, that's a thing that that, um, that a comic can do. Like, you've got these people in the background and you're like, does Beth hear that or does Beth not hear that? But at the same time, she's drawn this. So, like, is the comic that we're reading the comic that she's drawing or is it a different comic? I find those kind of games really exciting for me um, and I really really hope that for the reader there is that openness in the sense that they can navigate navigate for themselves and there's enough room for them to decide what that meaning is um, because meaning is up for grabs but it's not like it's floating away and there is no mm, meaning mm, it's, mm. It's, it's you are constructing this thing as you're reading it, yeah, you read a response theory. How boring! <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it, 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 it. Pip is wobbling. Yeah, I'm getting excited about reader response theory. <laughs> I just. Oh, I, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I. I mean, I find that kind of thing really exciting. But then you do hit up against a wall where you're like, you're like, okay, so you read and you construct the book and you have this different experience and the book only exists when you were reading it or when you were discussing it um, and what does that mean and what is the book and then at a certain as I said brick wall you go oh, I can't go any further with this like I've fallen down some sort of rabbit hole and there is no bottom I love it yeah I, I, I I'm really grateful for this term that Anna Smale taught me once um about this idea about an available reading you know like mm. um and this idea like I was talking to Rachel O'Neill last week and this idea of creating a possibility to listen you know and I think that's often what I find in your work is this great thing where it does feel like there's something offered and you know like I don't feel like you know, I am floating, you know, like you're saying, I don't feel like I'm floating away. I feel like it's a conversation with you as a creator, but this idea that there are available readings, you know, like this is here and this is here and, you know, I'm not going too far off beam if I if I think that way. But yeah, I totally agree that that whole, yeah, it becomes a bit of a void, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's great. That's great to hear because that means that, that I've succeeded like so there are there are there are available readings as you say or there is a like a model reader um, and the model reader will be able to pick out like some of the various offerings that the the, the author has created um, but it's not like simplified down to one thing like we're not we're not a Disney film where it's like friendship overcomes anything like there's not like a theme <laughs> and like everything relates to the one theme um that or issue and it's not so broad that anything could go so that you kind of are like well what was the point of that mm, yeah I, I could have just sat with my own company <laughs> you know I could have not opened the book I could have just sat here and thought about things um one of the things we're talking at the moment about character and you've already talked a little bit about this great interplay and this is not a pipe your book where 
you know, it is. It's a fictional. Or it's a fictional autobiography. Is it okay to call it that? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's a fictional autobiography. I th- like. I, th- I think I've referred to it sometimes as a faux autobiography, but that doesn't work either because that's sort of like, it's like an almost autobiography, <laughs> which would mean it was about me, but it's her autobiography. Mm, yeah. yeah, and there's this interesting, I loved what you were saying about where Beth is in the whole, you know, like this, this, and this is the thing that I think I love most about the Surrealists when you were talking about them being good, you know, like I, um, for year 11. The other thing I think that they're really good for that is they, they, it's a lot about jokes, if you know what I mean, and yeah. like and game and play. And I was thinking when you were talking about, you know, like I'll read this book thinking this is Beth's book, but then in my mind I'm also like, oh, it's also got Tara's name on the cover. So there's some intervention happened there. And, you know, like I just think it's really interesting. Like I... I guess one of my big questions, because I don't draw, is that what, how does it affect characterization when you do get to produce an image of the person that you're creating, or the, um, uh, or the otter, or the dragon, or the, you know, like the the being, the character that you're creating? What I guess, and it might be hard because you might not have ever separated the two out, but what does it mean to draw a character that sort of either comes from nowhere? Why don't we start with that? Like, what is it to draw a character that comes from nowhere? So I'm going to stipulate that this is talking about narrative fiction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, drawing is an incredibly, for me, physical activity. And um, there are some bits in This Is Not A Pipe where Beth talks about drawing and those are actually pretty much me talking about drawing, um, except when she's talking about bleeding on her page, which I do not do. But the, um, I, when I'm drawing a character, I often find myself trying to make the faces that I am drawing. So I will sometimes give myself a headache, but it's also this this thing where I'm trying to transpose what is in my brain, I've got my hands to my temples right now, <laughs> to what is on the paper, and there's that big gap, and it's as if I can kind of like like magic, magic it down there, like like get my hand to create what is in my head and I think that I think that everybody and actually a lot of the time children have this huge frustration where the vision that they have in their head cannot come out in a coherent way whether that is in words or whether that is in pictures and I have that same frustration because my drawings don't always do what I want them to do or sometimes I realise in the act of trying to draw them that I don't have a clear vision, if mm, that makes sense. Mm, yeah. So um, when I read books, when I read text, um, pictures are created. I That is how I experience them. I know that not everybody, um, when they read, like stops seeing the text and starts seeing pictures. Um, but if I try and like look at those pictures that my brain is creating or pin them down I realize that they're really fragmentary and they're not whole and so quite often they're 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 a mood or a sense a sense of a castle or a sense of a person traveling through a space but then they're not actually what you they're not filmic Mm, mm. um and um but they're immersive in terms of an experience for me I'll stop being me and I'll start being the words or or whatever 
Um, so when I'm drawing, sometimes I realize that what I have in my head is not a vision for a page. It's like, how do I get that feeling of what is in my head onto the page? And that can sometimes be a little bit frustrating. Mm. Um, but we were talking about character. So yeah, so partly it's about embodying like I feeling like I am that person as I'm drawing them although it is not a first person thing I'm drawing their face so they are outside of me um but yeah yeah so like it's if I'm talking I'm really talking about their facial expressions Mm, because their words are, are slightly different like their words take time to read but their their image take way more time to draw but don't take as much time to look at if mm. that makes sense mm. like you're just like you kind of you you get an instant impression yeah I wonder like sticking with narrative you know like um imagined people let's say that um how much of what we would call character like those things that make up character you know personality voice um, temperament, those kind of things. How much of those are in the appearance, if you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, is there any way that Beth could look totally different and still be Beth? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I don't. I, I like that kind of ability. You want some continuity of visual appearance because other people, wise people, won't know what your, who your mm. characters are. Like, sometimes I have read comics where I'm like. Oh, who's who's that? I mean, and that's why you like sometimes on TV, the 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 in cartoons, the characters always wear the same clothes every day, yep. and because that really helps you um, <laughs> identify the person. Like if they have the particular same hairstyle and they don't change their hair, um, so th- so there so there is that. But in terms of their character, um. I feel like it's those acting things. They, the, their, their expressions are um, you creating those things. And that's where I feel like comics sometimes make things easier for me because I don't have to get those things out in words. I don't, and you, you don't, ha- like, you don't have to be like, she had a wry look on her face or whatever clunky thing that I would do anytime I try and make prose. Um, but that also means that the text, the things they say, is your biggest um, is 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 your biggest thing for getting across like what they are thinking. Mm. Um, unless you want to do a lot of heavy, what I call voiceover, those text box, which either like a narration or telling you what they're thinking. So you can do that in comics, um, and a lot of comics do. Like Spider Man likes to do a lot of that. Like let's make some quick quick fire jokes or you know like let's have some internal dialogue so that we really know what's going on with this character but a lot of comics um more will say that that's clunky and I don't want to do that and so I'm going to do it entirely through dialogue and people don't usually say what is happening or and they don't always say what they're thinking so so your choices there will really characterize your person and sometimes unfortunately that means that my characters talk a lot like I would (laughs) but then I I think like just what you were saying um really excited me like this because it seems to bring me back to treachery of images you know this idea that 
um, one of the things I'm most jealous about um, when I read a comic or see a film is that I can instantly see those things where the words are not matching how the person's feeling, if you know what I mean. Like, you you know, you, you do this amazing thing with so often with very few lines where you capture a real sense of emotion or, you know, and, and there's just this wonderful, you can do that thing that happens in the Magritte where you can, you know, um, undercut you know the, the 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 words the dialogue are kind of fighting with the the person's expression I suppose and it's so enjoyable when those moments happen yeah and and and, and like when you're reading somebody else's comics I'm not talking not mine don't necessarily do this and you're like oh I see that that person's unhappy with that you know like dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know that's not that's not super text that's I mean although it's like right there on the page um it, yeah and and also silence in comics is, can mm. be really cool like when you just have a panel and there's no words and you're like oh we're gonna just have a moment of time like we're just gonna look at this person's face um and you know comics don't have sounds so I mean we're comparing them to films but in in a film you sort of have this continuous experience of time and everybody who's watching the film will have the same experience of time it takes this like or maybe we experience time subjectively differently but it'll take us the same amount of time to watch the thing you know, assuming we don't hit pause or, or whatever. <laughs> um, but in comics, that's not necessarily the case. Where, like, depending on whether you're the sort of person who barely looks at the images and only reads the text. Can I can I say something? Because you've you've um, piqued, spiked my interest. Um, that it, it has never occurred to me before that comics don't have sound. But you are absolutely correct. Like it's that weird thing. Like I was just thinking, yeah, when I read. that abstraction is part of what I love about it is that yeah like there's this bleed from the natural world you know wherever I'm sitting and reading it but you're dead right it is really down to words and image isn't it yeah so like a film will have music that could well in my no not all films have music but a lot of films will have music which really like they crank the tone um, in, in a particular direction um comics might not necessarily have um naturalistic color they might yeah. completely yeah. change a color palette from date, which which not most, which which will be doing a similar thing to what music does in film, um, like. But film doesn't tend to like like let's just have a blue scene, um, that might feel a little clunky to people. Uh, but yeah, it, some 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 comic artists do like bold words for emphasis or make words bigger or make words smaller I do that sometimes in book dragons actually mm, like mm. It, like some t- sometimes the text is is more part of the art uh, but but essentially you don't know what tone someone's saying that in unless the picture is telling you what tone that person is saying that in mm. and speaking of tone and mood and stuff like you know like there's a variety of different ways that you draw like the, I mean there's definitely consistency in your universe but that you know like some things are drawn um you know like um with wider and sh- smaller lines that's as far as my art training goes um that that kind of gives a mood as well does it I don't know like yeah, yeah. the quality of the line um I'd certainly like I feel like I have a 
let's call it register. Yeah. I have yeah. a more cartoony register and I have a more naturalistic register. And neither of those things are actually naturalistic. Mm, um, mm. I don't tend to do um, like formal um, perspective. I tend to be like, let's give the impression of a perspective. Um, a lot of cartoonists will complain about setting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and the otter dogs has no setting whatsoever. Maybe a line. They yeah. have a horizon line. They're <laughs> sitting. They're, maybe they're just huge things, and they're sitting on a horizon line. Um, but yeah, that like I I think those kind of choices um, sometimes comic artists just don't have a background for some panels, and um, and they'll have a gradient behind them, and and that that works. Mm. Like, that works for comics. You can just not have a background sometimes. Mm. And then the background drops in and out when when necessary. And, and perhaps um, the human brain will just fill in those things. Yeah, it's really interesting because it also occurs to me that that shifts the focus as well. Like, when that background ground drops away, it almost feels like a close-up. You know, it's like, right, just concentrate on this. This is what we're concentrating on. Um, Do you mind talking about, like, we've talked about, like, this sort of narrative work but one of the other things you do is draw real people and Mm -hmm. I'm wondering like you are able I was just looking through some of them before you came like you are really able to this is something that confuses me as a non-drawer you're able to capture that person in very few lines like I'm like oh yeah that's Jackson or that's Freya or that's Emma or that's you know like I'm able to say yes those are the people that I know do you do you have any thoughts about what is the essence, you know, like how you, like, is there any way of deconstructing what you're doing to say how you're able to do that? I don't know. Yeah. It's very, very nice that you think that the people look like the people. <laughs> I think sometimes people have distinctive hairstyles and that saves me. <laughs> um, I feel like, uh, sometimes men are perhaps easier to draw because they'll have like facial hair which is particularly distinctive um gray hair is almost impossible to draw i hate it um and i hate like stubble stubble's really hard having just said that grip beards because i end up like putting too much on and then it looks like people have like darker hair than they do um but i just hope for the best is basically what I do I start with the nose ah. and the eyes and I work my way out um, and then quite often because people are talking so what I'm doing is I'm trying to like capture the best well like the the points that stand out for me as we go and so often I'll be rushing to try and draw the person at the beginning and I'm hoping before, like in the introduction, before anything like meaty really gets set, um, and then um, and, and and then like I'll be going back and forward between the text and and the word balloons, um, which the word balloons look better if I've drawn them as I go, because um, otherwise things kind of look weird and crammed. But that's not really talking about the person. Um, people have been like, "Could you draw more pictures?" I'm like. Well, for me, these things are more like a record of, of, of the talk. Um, so, although, so the time just gets really mixed up in them. They're not really linear in any kind of kind of way. But you were asking about essence of a people. A people. It's hard to know because I know when I've got it wrong. <laughs> 
right like like and sometimes I'll take out the twink and I'm like that just does not look like them and there are some people who I've drawn quite a few times um like Catherine Robertson is Mm. one and the first couple of times she's got this really beautiful symmetrical face and because she's got this really beautiful symmetrical face it doesn't look like her I'm like that's not her I'm not there's not something but then I've gotten slightly better and even though she has usually quite a distinctive haircut um like there there is something about the openness of her eyes and and like her lips which is really really hard to capture and then you've got Fergus Barrowman and you can kind of just draw a doodle cloud of hair and people will know who it is so <laughs> I don't know like what is the essence like do people wear themselves on their skin I don't know I think that the prettier you are the harder you are to draw wow Oh gosh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Fergus. Did I just uh, no. say Fergus wasn't pretty? <laughs> you did Fergus, not. Fergus, you're very pretty. Fergus is very pretty. He's awesome. Um, I <laughs> there you go. I think this is really interesting to me because like every obviously I'm doing that narcissistic thing where everything you're saying I'm trying to I'm thinking is that like writing? And I think that um this idea because often it's a similar thing in that what I'm often trying to do in a book is capture someone in action, like trying to catch in the essence of them in action. And this is why I think I love those things that, um, the, I, I always think of them as almost like a, I don't know what I think. I think of them like capturing the talk, you know, like it's a recording of the talk. And like, I really love the way it loses its linearity, you know, and I really love the way the words sort of overtake the pictures sometimes. I just think it's really great because then again, going back to treachery of images again, there's this great thing happening where the things that the person's saying is kind of changing the way that I'm seeing the image as well, if you know what I mean. Like it's doing all this really, it feels like a really great um, collaboration between the words and the images. Yeah. Yeah. I had this really awful experience early on where I was doing them. Um, where I'd drawn like the smiley face of a, of, of a woman and but then she had been talking about some heavy stuff and when the thing went up she's like you can't have me smiling while I'm saying that thing and we had to like take it out and like I was like oh, I just felt I felt devastated because I like kind of because of that juxtaposition of image and, and text like I'd created a uh, like an awful tone like it was it was it was not good and since then I've like had my twink pen ready for when it gets heavy like it definitely happened with Carla Mila um like that like like I'd drawn her like beautiful smile and then then the thing started to not be as happy and I'm like let's just take that smile out and just hope that she still looks like her mm. if that if that makes sense um but I, I think that, like, as records, it's still way more interesting than just reading a wall of text, or at least I hope it is. Like, for me, just having the bubbles, there's still something about it that makes me more inclined to look at notes in that way than, than, than it would if, if someone, like, were to post the, their speech. I totally agree and I think that as I was looking back on them there's this really nice I don't know like you with the images I kind of get to remember the moment as well like that thing you were talking about with comics and graphic novels having that moment you know like it definitely it captures something more than like you say than than just the 
you know, and I think in that way it's a really useful record because, you know, I often think things that I said six months ago I probably don't agree with now, but because it's captured with that image, I think that it is, I can sort of be, be gentle on myself and think, oh yeah, that was what I thought a year ago. That's interesting that I thought that a year ago. It's really cool. And I mean, you've started doing a few, um, like with the book otters, sorry, I'm just going back to the book otters. Um, where is the genesis of those characters? Like, is it just that you love otters or are otters good beings to talk about the things that they talk about? Are you talking about the otter dogs? I am talking about the otter dogs now. I realise that love, I'm all confused. And it's all right. They always are reading books. <laughs> sometimes they have titles and sometimes they don't. I think I took the titles out maybe for um, This Is Not A Pipe. I think yeah. they're blank books. Yeah. Whereas um, if you read some of the otter dogs on my website, they actually have book titles depending mm, mm. on what I, I was reading at the time. So that cool. I, um, so the otter dogs, uh, it was basically I I was doing some doodles I don't know back in 2015 2016 they looked a little bit like dogs they looked a little bit like otters and then they started saying things and then there started to be two of them that were just talking to each other and one was a little bit sadder and one was a little bit more upbeat and it seemed like they were in love with each other but like they weren't going to come out and say it (laughs) (laughs) and and they just talked about books and philosophy and stuff and really basically I was creating a sort of um Hegelian dialogue like just kind of you've got one person with this position and the other person with a different position you're trying to like synthesize those two things into a new thing um and uh, so that's 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 what they're about um mm. like that they're me working through my thoughts with me and were they in this is not a pipe from the beginning because they sort of have this wonderful life where they're outside of the book and inside of the book like did were they always there from like did they seem like the right vehicle to discuss those you know ideas about you know narrative so um I start the this is not a pipe started off as an attempt at a novel which was going to have comic strips in it and the comic strips were the otter dogs which I had already started drawing um and uh at some point along the line when I was trying to write this novel I realized that it didn't work as a novel and that I would just or at least that I didn't have the writing mileage and practice to create a novel that would um, measure up to what I wanted it to be like I just didn't have the writing chops Um, and I'm not saying that I had the comics chops but I certainly had way more experience of drawing comics Mm. Um, so and so well, they're not reading comics. I mean, I read, I've read. i read a hell of a lot of comics in my life, but I think I've read more novels, probably. In any case, um, reading doesn't make you a good writer, but it can help. Um, uh, so I, um, so I, it became a comic, and so they were still a comic. So they were there beforehand, and not all of there's more Otter Dogs comics out there than there are in This Is Not A Pipe. There are heaps more. Like, <sighs> like maybe maybe a hundred more so so it's a, some of them existed already um and I was like these ones will fit in this point in the narrative and other ones were created as I was as I was writing this is not a pipe and I was like well this neat this is a kind of thing that will offset what is going on in the comic so yeah you you're right they they exist in it 
and outside of it. So mm. they were all in, always intentionally. They were always intended to be in it, but then they do have their own life and also more were created than are in there. In this, um, I, I think I love the way you described this idea that you started um, doodling and then they started talking and da da da, da. I, I really I really relate to that as far as character sketches go and writing novels you know like often this person will keep coming in the room and you're like what are you coming in the room for what's going on and I think it must be really interesting to be able to put um, it's almost like their embodiment comes first and then you get to hear them speak which is kind of interesting yeah it will definitely happen that way with them um, and uh, like other characters, like I feel, I feel as I've been writing book dragons, I've been asking myself more questions. Like, would Anna say that? Would would Kaya say that? Like those 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 kind of those kind of things. Um, and when you get to a point where the characters speak in their own voice for themselves that's really exciting and almost the story can be propelled by how they are going to act in the situation that they are in um rather than me being like i need to construct this completely but i mean that's how i'm making book dragons i'm making book dragons one page at a time and hoping for the best oh, I love the idea of that oh my gosh that sounds amazing um I've got when you were talking about voice there um I have this weird thing where different fonts sound different to me and I I'm quite interested in like the 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 the, the lettering in original you know when I think of like conventional comic that isn't comic sans is it no, Comic Sans is, um, is a font that has been constructed, which does look quite round and somewhat reminiscent of some of those comic fonts, but originally people lettered them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes you had, you had very specialist people who were doing that lettering, and they, they, their, their handwriting was mm. the font. Mm. Um, and then, of course... Um, a lot of the time nowadays, I see a lot of lowercase in, um, in comic balloons where I don't feel like there used to be. I feel like mostly people used to talk in caps lock. And so the, there's that kind of modulation as well in terms of um, we think of caps lock in an email as shouting, but in comic not really it's just kind of for clarity if that makes sense so, like I tend to write in, in caps lock um, although in in book dragons I have different characters that t speak in lowercase and different characters that speak in uppercase and it, it, it it's doing a different visual thing for who they are um, and I've certainly seen comics where people just speak in different fonts like like you know an elf speaks in this kind of old-timey cursive and like then then um, somebody like a robot speaks in something which is a bit more regimented because fonts are visual so the fact that you see see them as having different tones is completely like true to 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 like how I how I think of them it's 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 a weird thing like what is a letter T particularly a lowercase letter t like is it a plus sign <laughs> is it like it, it like in a different context it's just it's two lines is it a cross like mm. 
like we've we've kind of imposed these thoughts on them and so yeah I really like what you say about clarity like that it's for clarity um I just know um I I have someone close to me who um has dyslexia and like comics were a massive gateway into reading and I think it's because capitals tend to be different you know like a, a letter Q looks like a letter a lowercase Q looks like a P looks like a B looks like all those things but an uppercase Q looks like an uppercase Q and there was something about the Comic Sans font which was easier to read and there was something about the bubble around it you know whether it was a speech bubble or a thought bubble that kind of made it a lot easier for them to read because it was kind of contained. Are they dyslexic? Yeah yeah. Oh yeah so like I think that um, I don't have dyslexia myself I just have like some mild transposing of things that sometimes happens because brains are funny but I, I my understanding is that boxes help the words stop from running away like that <laughs> like the, like a dyslexic friend of mine actually said that just the, the like the the words when you look at them they they try and run away from you and and, and so I have this image in my head of words like blurring and raining um, so I th- yeah, uh, comics comics being contained in that way. I love the boxes. Me too. I mean, I I don't know what it is about the boxes. <laughs> Sometimes when like I, you see a lot of comics online these days that don't have the boxes and they just have these beautiful little images and the people talking and I'm like, I mean that looks really great and it scrolls on my phone real great, but I want the boxes. And like those boxes, like I was just thinking as well, like that's one of the real pleasures for me always, but particularly, and this is not a pipe, is that there is this range of, um, you know, like sometimes you'll turn the page and there'll be a full page image and then you'll turn the page and there'll be, you know, frames. And, and I was just thinking, it just occurs to me, talking about the treachery of images, if you're, how the hell do you revise? Like if you're changing that's a whole page that needs to change, doesn't it? Like, I mean, if you suddenly decide you want an extra frame in or you want a frame to be slightly bigger, what does that process look like? So editing a comic... Yes. Um, I, like... I've I've been reading a lot about how this works in, um, in sort of fancy, like, professional circles. Yeah. And basically the editor wants to get in on the script ground and on the thumbnail ground... Um, before things before things are drawn like if you want that character to be a bear rather than a mole you need to make him a bear before you start drawing the comic because otherwise you have to redraw the whole freaking thing so i but but yeah like um if you if you didn't like a page you're gonna have to redraw the whole thing. You can't shift things along. No. Um, even if you were working with a really formal three by three grid, um, so like the comic watchman is very, very like nine mm. panels on most pages, with some of them being a little bit longer and but like that's qu- it's quite regimented in that in that sense. But you still on that you couldn't be like, I'm going to take that panel out and push everything along because the visual look of the page would st- is still it, it it's a whole mm. so it, it, like um, as I was saying before with film being continuous like comics are made out of these discrete discrete pieces which are actually different like um, sizes and puzzles and um, but they also exist as a page that you look at. So they're parts, and there's, there's the whole, and they're existing simultaneously, 
and um, sometimes I draw thumbnails and then I start to draw them up as a page and I realize I haven't drawn my thumbnails in the right ratio and so the thing that looked good in the thumbnail no longer looks good on the page um, and so I quite so my revising process personally because I'm doing things a page at a time tends to go like I've written a script I handwrite them because otherwise I put too many words in mm, mm. and I can't fit them in um, and then I draw like I will draw a sketch up a like in ballpoint pen I'll sketch up a, um, a what I call a thumbnail but they're, they're, they're really it's kind of a rough layout where the where the um, where the text goes because where the text goes you you can't you need to know where the text goes and so that that can flow so people can read it left to right top to bottoms people still sometimes find that I still sometimes get it wrong and like make sure that the panels clearly can show where you're going left to right top to bottom um, and then when I and so they the words get revised there and then when I then I draw it in blue pencil first um, and the words get revised again there and then um, and maybe in the images again if it doesn't fit on the page layout and then I ink and usually the the draft of the pencils don't doesn't I don't usually change it too much to the um, to the the final inks um, but the words often change again mm, mm. Um, but yeah and does do you like it sounds like no part of that process is automated eh? Like, does it ever, do you, do you ever work on a tablet or something like that? Or do you prefer to work on, what's, is there a difference? I don't know. I have not tended to draw digitally. Mm, mm. So I'll scan it in and I'll clean up some lines. um, And sometimes at that stage, I'll be like, oh, I've spelt that wrong. And I will do that usually by copying a like an H from somewhere else and pushing it pushing it in um, from like so from somewhere else um, for this is not a pipe I actually I actually rewrote mm. a lot of the lettering um, like things that Ashley did not think were had like for clarity Mm, like mm. my g's look a lot like c's if I'm not very careful so I had to um and but for for doing that I actually tended to lay the paper over over like what I had drawn and to make sure that they it was the right size Mm, mm, and then mm. because I was scanning it in at the same dpi dots per inch then it it could be slotted into the page fine um, sometimes I just sometimes I white things out, but then they don't scan as. Sometimes you get like grainy scanning stuff when you go. Th- yeah, but I really should. I know that the future is digital. I like, but I like to be able to see the whole page at once. And when I'm zooming in, I can start to lose that sense of what the page is and zoom out. So I, I think that a lot of people do um, digitally do their thumbnails because then they're exactly the right size and then they digitally ink and um and probably their workflow is much better than mine um I, was, I wonder if I'll do that for my next for my next full book for my next graphic novel I'm think, I'm certainly thinking about it because then you get the trim size and everything right with this is not a pipe because it was quite fluid and not regimented it was okay if things were slightly different shapes and different sizes because that was what Beth was drawing mm. it was okay if it wasn't great because Beth has a pull through her arms 
Yeah. Um, like, you know, and it's a diary comic. So, like, it's, you know, it's not all going to be perfect. But if I do something more formal, I would need to, like, make sure that that was right. But, yeah, I, I draw by hand. I draw by pencil. I, I, and I draw by, like, pens. Magic. I've got magic pens. The, the, these Tombow pens. They basically do all the work for you. <laughs> I highly recommend them. You can get them from Gordon Harris. Where this is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> Maybe it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, I, it's interesting because um, this. I feel like this is a conversation I have with lots of friends that are writing as well. You know, like I remember um, uh, watching Bill Manhire interviewed once and he was talking about the process used to be that he would write the poem in longhand then type it out and a lot he was talking about the physicalness of writing and that's I I still write quite a lot in longhand and I think that you know this idea you know like I there's a different sense in my body when I'm writing in full ha- in longhand, and I think I would find it to do some of the things that I do in longhand on the computer screen. Because my big thing is, I I feel like maybe I should be consuming paper, but I mean I don't think artists should consume paper. But I just think every now and then I think, oh, could this be done on a screen? But there is a real difference to me in the writing, and even watching um the young person in my house who is you know like will quite go between the two like we'll draw on the ipad but we'll also you know sketch little things everywhere and yeah i don't know like it feels i really liked what you said about thinking about what's needed for the book you know and i think that when we're writing we're doing that as well like you know like what's you know what's what's the what's the point of view what's the you know are these short sentences long sentence you know like there's different things for different situations eh Mm, yeah definitely I mean point of view is interesting in comics because as I said before like you can have voiceover and if you're working in colour you could have voiceover in different colours so that you would know that learn that it was for different characters if you really wanted to but it might not it I mean if you did that in a film and every character had a voiceover that would be super super clunky I mean like probably there's someone out there who's done it brilliantly <laughs> so like you get again you like you make those choices like I mean by doing a diary comic it is first person um but it's a weird first person because it's not as an immersive eye as other first persons would be because you still have those images distancing you um but I really like taking notes physically mm. because mm. I remember them differently. And I'm probably, it's just how my brain works. But then, like, if I, if someone asks me about something later, I can visualize where on the page the piece of text is, even if it's all writing with some lines and various other things. That's um, easier for me to internalize and, um, what am I I talking about like digest Mm, digest because when you're doing something with it you remember it well at least I do yeah and that's what I think is really interesting again you know like this um I, I just keep thinking about that is there that great book that's called How Comics Work or something like that? Anyway, like I just, which is a comic, um, which I is really... Is it one of the Scott McLeod ones? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I... He's got a few, like how to make comics and like, 
Yeah, there's a there's 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 more than one. Oh my gosh, that's excited me. I thought there was only the one. They have very similar titles. I think that there might be like and there's something about comics in the future, which is it's really old now, so it's talking about <laughs> digital clicking and various other things. So in some ways it's like this this strange time capsule from the beginning of the internet where people were talking about how comics might work on the internet and he's got so many things right and some things wrong. It's amazing, eh? Like, that was one last thing that I really wanted to ask you about is, like, um, your website is amazing. And I'm wondering about, um, you know, like, I have zines of yours. I've got paper books of yours. And then also I really enjoy looking at your your website. Do you think there's a difference when you're looking at it, a screen where the light's coming through it as opposed to looking at it in a, in a you know, like, paper version? Like, I'm for sure, particularly with narrative comics. Mm, mm. So, like, you're looking at my screen one page at a time. So you're never seeing a page spread. So, and you're not getting... So every every click is a page turn, mm, as mm. opposed to I'm looking at two at a time and it, it is a page turn. So if, if, if those kind of comics were ever to be made into a book, there might be some thoughts needed in terms of placement mm. or you know whether you need some to write in some extra pages although as we talked about like <laughs> you you really like if you need to make whole pages or you need to make no pages in terms of editing or redrawing um what's on the left side and what's on the right side and how those things carry through but then there's also a couple of them where you like you just kind of scroll mm, mm, um, mm, mm. and that's that's a different experience as, as well and so i you know when i'm thinking about I use I used to think only about making comics in terms of page but I do now have some comics with very clearly same panel layer like all the all the panels are the same size and they work well in portrait and you can scroll them on your phone Mm, mm. um but that's that tends to be like more like weird comic poems or non-fiction stuff Mm, yeah 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 it's amazing thank you so much for everything like not just for talking today but thanks for all your amazing stuff I mean it's so I don't know I I know that we all have jobs and we also that's something I've been asking people like how do how do we sustain ourselves as far as keeping work going like I mean how do how do like how do you fit it in oh well I have a full-time job, mm. so I draw comics at least one day of the weekend. Um, sometimes I draw on week nights. I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to do work, which means comics, on Friday nights, um, because my partner thinks that like there needs to be there needs to be some downtime and Friday nights are sacred. Um, although I like that's, that. That's a hangover from when I was. A, when I worked as a teacher and like just like the blur between home and work was really really bad mm. whereas in my current job that's that's not so much a problem mm. I can I can leave and then I'm done yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which is a beautiful beautiful thing how do you know when you're finished you don't when you're a teacher yeah um, <laughs> uh, but I also have a drawing group on Monday nights, which is like a sense gives me a sense of community, and I find that really motivating. Um, so I like Sally Bollinger, Sam Orchard, and I like we meet up, we have fish and chips. It's excellent because um, my partner 
doesn't always like to have fish and chips, so I get to have fish and chips once a week, which Yay. is which is good for my heart. I mean, it's not good for my heart literally; it's bad for my heart literally. But anyway, um, and we we just we just draw whatever we're working on at, at that time, and sometimes sometimes we don't, sometimes sometimes we don't get any work done at all. And um, but comics are nice in terms of writing. Because if you have the text pre-prepared, um, you can actually draw and talk. Mm, I think mm. that the conversation isn't necessarily continuous, but like sometimes there will be moments of silence, but everybody's occupied. But I, don't, I can't imagine um, writing. Yeah, like you, it, it, you would. It would be like, let's do an exercise. We'll all be silent for now, doing our exercise, and then we'll we'll read and share and talk about it. But comics. Comics can be a little bit more communal. Um, so basically, how do you keep making work? I have an aim to do my one page a week and put it up and sort of like, I don't look at the statistics on my website. I don't want to know that nobody's reading it. Um, but like, like just for me, if I keep doing that, that means I will keep making it. So it has to be achievable. So that's what I am all about. I'm about small, achievable things. Um, I don't know how other people get projects done. Um, like, yeah, I think one answer to that is don't have personal relationships because <laughs> they take up time in your life. Like, And then you get grumpy and you write grumpy stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I... Uh, my poor partner. We have had discussions where he's like, I don't know if I fit into your life. <laughs> it's just if you want to make another graphic novel. <laughs> but this, I just love what you're saying. I love what you're saying so much. Like it just seems to, I mean, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm taking away from it is that idea of small and achievable. I think that is so true. I love this idea of drawing a boundary around a night. I, I do. I really think that, boundary a boundary around some of my time where I am out in the world because I feel like that really feeds you know and, and sometimes I know for the people around me it looks like I haven't got room for them but really you know the, I'm, I feel like everything is writing you know whether it's like us going for a walk or you know having an interesting conversation sure. you know I just you know it feeds it and I love this idea of community I think that that I think that is so much of what makes it sustainable for me is you know like the odd messenger like we've got a little bit of a group at the moment a few of us where we might just duck into messenger and say I'm writing for an hour does anyone want to join me you know and like do those old-fashioned writing sprints and yeah I don't know like that seems like such a good recipe that you've got going there I think it sounds amazing I feel guilty when I don't get to all of the the talks and various other things because I'm like I feel like I feel like this is these are records and they need to be made but at the same time if I don't make it to your thing um <laughs> it's not because I hate you it's because I'm like I've already done one this week or I'm just really too tired and um and and and, and it's not going to happen because every time I sit down and start doing one of those live drawing things I'm like do I still know how to draw and is it going to work and I don't know like there's like there's that kind of it's fine once I get started but like if there's that just like hit hint of, like I'm standing on a precipice when I start anyway if you want me to come to a thing just <laughs> you just message me yeah. and I will I will if someone actually asks me I'll probably go and I was just thinking that great thing that you've just said about being on the precipice like 
because the event is going to start and you're there, there's something so great. That seems like a really good thing around keeping me writing. Because, you know, if I'm at the precipice, sometimes it's very easy for me to walk away from the precipice, like to just go, oh, no, I'm not doing it. Whereas this thing you're saying, like this just starting, you know, like there's, you know, it's going to start, it's going to happen and, you know, something's going to happen. And I just think that's a really good thing to take away as well is like if there's a way of building that into writing practice or art practice, I think that's really interesting as well. I mean, that's the thing, though, that people say writers write. Like yeah. that, that weird <laughs> that weird truism, um, and if you're feeling like oh I don't know if I have anything to say or whatever, but you probably have more in you than you think you have. Like so, there are lots of people out there who who seem to be saying things that like who cares what they're saying? Like why are you any less than them? Like like why not why not give it a go and if you give yourself just a tiny little bit like if you do if you like maybe maybe you don't need to do that that standard 500 words a day thing Mm. maybe you can do 50 words a day Mm. or 100 words a day and eventually it adds up like eventually it might and they might not even be good words but it's okay you can edit them (laughs) right a lot easier than trying to shift a cell out of the way you can it's so true it's so true it's you don't so have true. to write all of the thousands at one time I know also I mean editing is another thing as you say I just yeah I love it I just think this is just so wonderful thank you so much I really appreciate it you're awesome thank, thank you thank you Pip thank you for having me oh anytime so um, this exercise is an oldie, but I use it heaps and it just seems very relevant to the conversation that I have just um, had with Tara. So um, what I try and do is I try and think of a character that I'm writing at the moment. If I don't have a character in mind, I sometimes use real people that I don't know too well. Although, um, yeah, I think it's better to use a character in, for this exercise. So a character that maybe is not clear to me, or it might be a character that I know really well, but it's some body some sort of um, being that I'm writing about at the moment and then what I do is I close my eyes um, put a pen and piece of paper in front of me well probably do that before I close my eyes put a pen and paper in front of me and then just close my eyes and draw that person's face Um, sometimes I draw their whole body but generally um, I just try to draw their face so I bring their face to mind and draw it Um, after I feel um, relatively happy with Um, that I've finished um, whatever finished might look like I open my eyes um, have a look at the paper and then turn it over and often on the back of that paper I'll just start writing that person I'll do some free writing for two or three minutes and just put that person in action so I might pop them in a shop or a cafe or on a spaceship or um, in a tree or under the sea and um, just write them for two or three minutes without um, taking my pen off the paper and um yeah, I, I'm not necessarily describing their face. Um, I, I tend to be more about yeah getting them in motion, so seeing how they move in the world and what they do when they come across certain things in the world. So yeah, that's the exercise. Close your eyes, draw a character's face, and then free write for two or three minutes. Thanks heaps for listening.